Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Northwest Arkansas, Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas. Big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. Hey, this is Gary Head at Signature Bank of Arkansas. We founded Signature Bank in 2005 with local ownership to serve our communities with the best bankers with the most authority to do business. We have succeeded in growing our bank to over $800 million in assets, including $50 million in growth in the first quarter in 21. We have 155 teammates that love our communities and the customers that we serve. We are always here to serve and eager to do so. As chairman and CEO, I welcome your call to have the opportunity to serve you. Please call 479-684-4700 or online at signature.bank and tell them that you heard about us at I Am Northwest Arkansas. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilbur. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today 
I have got a great guest on, and I'm sitting here with Jeff Webster, who is the president and CEO of Accelerate Foundation. I'm not technically sitting with him, and I'm using air quotes here because he is in his room at his office in Bentonville, and I'm in my room in my office in Rogers, but we are together nonetheless. And so without further ado, I want to welcome Jeff Webster to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks, Randy. A privilege to be on this and excited to talk to with you a bit here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just to kind of tee it up for my audience, one of the things that I've been trying to do with the podcast is, you know, really bring in a wide variety of of individuals, a wide variety of organizations and businesses that make Northwest Arkansas what it is. You know, our focus with the podcast is always the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life here in the Ozarks. And, you know, you Accelerate Foundation does a lot to impact all of those areas. And so I'd love for you, Jeff, just to kind of give our audience a little a little bit of your background and experience and how you came to become uh, president and CEO of Hark of Accelerate Foundation. And so we could start off learning a little bit more about you. And then we're going to get into Accelerate Foundation and what you guys are doing in Northwest Arkansas that is so special. Sure. So, well, briefly, uh, I'm uh, originally from Michigan, grew up there, went to Michigan State as far as background, et cetera. Pretty much science-oriented type of person, kind of interesting career. I spent time at Kellogg's, it started out in, in their engineering group and ultimately in finance, market research, ran corporate strategy, et cetera, for them. After that, my entrepreneurial part that you mentioned kicked in. So I ran a startup where we coached endurance athletes, uh, Lance Armstrong, et cetera. So that technology part kind of gets interesting down the road here as we talk about Hark. But did, so ran the startup for a time. And then Tyson Foods, so John Tyson and team was interested in, in building a strategy capability like I had done at Kellogg's. So came to Tyson, uh, put that in place, and then ran one of the big business divisions and started up several different businesses within Tyson. So again, kind of entrepreneurial roots in there. So that's kind of how I got to Northwest Arkansas. We were here about 10 years. When I left Tyson, we I ran another startup um, out in California, biotech. And then had the opportunity, our kids were still here in Northwest Arkansas. So by now, Northwest Arkansas is feeling like home. So kind of the pull to come back, had an opportunity to be president of one of the three divisions working for Todd Simmons. And when I was working for Simmons, then I was asked to come on the board of what's now Accelerate, kind of my strategy background, help with strategic planning, put things in place. And then as I was winding down with Simmons, the, the board at Accelerate asked if I'd be interested in the, the CEO position to help the organization. So kind of long story, but that's how I ended up here. Wow. So and you so you've certainly cut your teeth in a lot of different a lot of different companies, rather. So Kellogg's, Simmons, Tyson. I mean, you know, you, these aren't small companies to say the least. So Yeah, the great experiences. You know, there and, and in a lot of those positions at, at Kellogg's and at Tyson at first, you know, I was had a strategy. So, you know, the skills that you learn there is, you know, if you're oriented towards making things happen and people that know me kind of know I am, you get really good at influence, persuasion, convincing because you don't, you don't have authority to do something. But in so much as you've thought it through, you have the company's best interest at heart then it's kind of on you to, to persuade the organization on different things. So you're an advisor to very senior people there. So you learn a lot of those skills that 
ultimately now in the nonprofit world become very important just on those relationships. And it's still, you're trying to get in people to do things, companies to do things. So um, those persuasion, those kind of skills become pretty important also. Yeah, no. And it, and it seems like you didn't get enough in corporate America that you said, you know what, I'm going to go to a, a, a startup and we're going to get things going from that perspective. What was what was the rationale behind that? Was it was it a can't miss opportunity or was it just ultimately something in your heart of hearts that you really wanted to do? Yeah. So so the, the first part in startup was, you know, again, we, we I ran a company called Carmichael Training Systems. We coach endurance athletes. We coached Lance Armstrong during the heyday, and I'm a big cyclist. So the opportunity to be in that space and build and create something, again, is kind of how I'm wired. Go to the Tour de France every year. All the stuff was pretty amazing if you're a cyclist. But I can tell you that the, the first week I got there, I was coming from a $7 billion company, and I was employee number seven at this startup. And you're asking yourself, man, what have I done? You know, like, have I totally derailed myself? But it was a three-year adventure there with that startup that I would do over and over and over again for so many different reasons, but a way different as far as a small company like that. And boy, you have to put a lot of the things you've learned into practice, you know, and then, then bounce back again to, you know, from there to even bigger company at Tyson back to the strategy part, you know, and then, you know, running two other small startups from there and then back to Tyson or Simmons. So it's it's been, I guess I've been able to be good at what I need to be good at, you might say. So Yeah. Well, I would imagine from a strategy perspective, if nothing else, you really were able to both on the corporate side of things as well as on the startup side understand the importance of wearing, you know, multiple hats, right? I mean, you you can't yeah. come in and have one singular focus. You've got to be able to kind of walk and chew gum. Yeah, it, you really when you get into the small company, you know, it's small. You don't have the resources of a big company. And you got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and, and play a lot of different roles. And all of the things where the output was the strategy at the big company, now it's like, you better get through the strategy because it's time to execute. Right. And it's all hands on deck. So, so I like that balance between strategically figuring out the direction, you know, make sure you've got the right world-class team, big or small, kind of alongside you, which is fortunate what we have now too. You know, and then it's kind of a servant orientation of how do you help them be successful, not the other way around. It's not them about them making me successful. It's how do you help them be successful in their different roles to deliver on that strategy. So it's a lot of fun in those smaller organizations. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. So I'm going to have to press you since you mentioned Lance Armstrong. And certainly we're all familiar with Lance Armstrong's story. And even if you aren't, I mean, just Google him and you can find out more about it. But what was your greatest memory of being involved on the ground in the Tour de France? Because I'm a I'm an avid cyclist myself. I watch the Tour de France every year. But what was your greatest memory of experiencing that? Yeah, so we would take about 15 people every year over to the Tour de France, and we'd run a camp concurrent while it was going on. And it was you couldn't get more behind the scenes of what was happening. And you know, on some of those epic days in the mountains, where you know it's the next day, what's Lance going to do? Chris Carmichael, who was Lance's coach and the founder of our company, you know, all of a sudden we'd be out to dinner and Chris's phone's ringing and it's Lance, you know, and it's and like he, they'd go off and talk. It may make you wonder what were they really talking about now these days, but um, right. <laughs> if you know Lance's story, but I'm not going to think about that. But it's like, you know, he'd come back to the table. He's going to attack tomorrow. How's he feeling? All this stuff. So it was a, just almost for a cyclist, almost a fairy tale type of experience of just being behind the scenes, they win the Tour de France. We're in the Opera House in Paris, 
that they'd run out just for the celebration. So, you know, if you're a baseball fan or football fan, it may not mean that much to you. But if you're a lifelong cyclist and follow cycling and what that did for the sport of cycling in, in the U.S. was so huge, especially at that point. So I was very fortunate to be able to be part of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I like I said, I mean, I would encourage anybody just if you don't know who Lance Armstrong is, Greg LeMond, any of these great cyclists that have come out of the United States lineage of cycling, you need to check it out and look a little closer because, you know, regardless of how you feel about Lance Armstrong, he kind of helped, you know, create an aura or awareness of cycling and took it to a whole nother level. And that's kind of what we have today. And and I just, I only say that because I, I was just recently, I don't know if you went out to that, but I was at the Oz Trails event at Centennial Park, the mountain biking event. And that's actually how Lance Armstrong started out. He started out as a mountain biker, but I mean, just to see those young kids as excited as they were going around and riding around in this cold weather for an hour and just giving it their all, it it was exciting to see. And I think that our place in cycling is continuing to grow here in the United States. Yeah. And what was funny for me, so all of this was, we're in Colorado Springs where we lived and all this going on. And then when, when got the call, if you will, from Tyson and we're moving to Arkansas, and keep in mind, my, my son and daughter, my daughter was high school state champ, and my son was state champ also mountain biking Colorado. And we're moving to Arkansas. And the big letdown was there wasn't any cycling in Arkansas. And, <laughs> and it's just amazing what the place has become now. It's just you go anywhere around the country and you say kind of Bentonville or Northwest Arkansas, and people instantly know where you're from. And if they're cyclists, man, they're like, can I come stay at your house and everything? So it's it's just like you said, that the transformation on so many different dimensions of our area, but I just never would have seen the whole cycling thing coming as we moved here it was going to be a big disappointment on what we were living and or leaving and, and look what it's become. So, yeah, I mean, you could argue and say that, you know, Northwest Arkansas is one of the meccas of cycling absolutely in, in the United States. So I could go on and on. I don't, I don't want to be a cycling fanboy about about this area. But for those of you listening to this podcast and you're from another area, you're thinking about taking a job with one of the, the big three or you're just you're coming here to go to school or whatever. Listen, bring your bike, bring your helmet. We will leave the light on for you because you will enjoy yourself when you get here. You will not be uh, disappointed. That is for sure. So, you know, Jeff, I want to talk about just your, you know, kind of some of the causes that you have found yourself gravitating towards and how you've been able to kind of fulfill that as you kind of transitioned from for-profit to nonprofit, And what was that like for you? How intentional did you have to be in order to kind of move over thinking from a for-profit perspective to a nonprofit perspective? Or is there any difference for you as far as that's concerned? Well, there's a lot of big differences. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of faith-based. And so in the midst of this, I really kind of feel like I say to myself, God had a plan for me in terms of helping people. And you know what? I'm going to build all these skills into you, Jeff. And it's been an amazing career and all this kind of stuff on the business side. But it's like during that journey, you don't have the right heart for people like you need to have. Yeah. And so you're going to go on another journey. And it's been very difficult. I won't go into all of it on the family front, but we've been through things that I'll tell you, put you on your knees, bawling like a baby that just makes you soft for people, a heart for people, caring for people. I have a wife that, um, what does she do? She walks the greenway with our dog looking for homeless folks. Yeah. Just so that she can literally in our car, taking them, it's kind of scaring me sometimes, but you know, taking them to Walmart, helping them, et cetera. So 
that's just kind of my, the family side of me. But a lot of these experiences I went through just helped me. You know, I had big positive things happen and then some pretty horrific, you know, hard things. But there's so many people that don't have those big positives that I went through that just have hard things every day. So, you know, my intro of all these things I've done in the business community, it's fine and great. And they're all about, you know, corporate America and capitalism and, and, and dollars for shareholders and all that stuff. But I wake up now every morning and, you know, none of that stuff to me mattered. I mean, it was great and it's kind of important. But what I do now matters. You know, I'll, I'll be down at Seven Hills and, you know, you see a homeless um, guy come in about my age on crutches. He's got an infection in it and his foot may need to have it taken off. And when that guy says the intake person, is there a reason I should have any hope? And man, I mean, I turn my head, tears are coming down. And at the end of the day, that guy's hope is in me. And I don't mean that arrogantly at all, but I've got business skills. And man, when you're all of a sudden in this nonprofit world, you have the ability to be the voice of these people that they have no voice. And that's certainly not disrespectful, but they, they don't have the, the credibility and they can't speak as a group, et cetera. So Man, when I wake up every morning, it's crystal clear in my mind who I represent, why I'm here, what I'm out to do. And man, that is so much more fulfilling. And it's so much more important than any job I've ever had before. So, you know, it's been a journey to kind of get me there, but it's pretty clear for me now. Yeah, no, I hear you 100%. And, you know, as you were saying that, all I could hear is a song in my head that I've heard over and over again, that you you can be a help to the helpless and a voice for the voiceless. Yes. And and I think that that definitely resonates with me, as I know it does a lot of people in this community. And that's that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about in terms of, you know, just kind of getting into the the large philanthropic movement that exists here in Northwest Arkansas and all those organizations. And you mentioned Seven Hills, which deals with homeless people that are struggling with homelessness. And I've seen some of these homeless encampments down in South Fayetteville on the way to Mount Kessler. I mean, it, it's as you know, I'm on a, a very expensive bike, but I run into people that, you know, that's just kind of the duality sometimes that we have to experience. And I know a lot of times people like you to sugarcoat or gloss over that, but it is the reality of where we are today. Yeah. And 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 it would always be a shame if you just see that and never respond to it, right? Yeah. And figure out, well, what can I do to fix this, right? I mean, I have a roof to go to. I have food on the table. I'm not struggling in those areas, but there are so many people that are. And that is one of the challenges that we see here. But I'm always, I always feel good about the simple fact that there are a lot of people in Northwest Arkansas, like yourself and so many others, and the organization that you represent that are actually trying to make a difference in the lives of those that don't have a voice or, you know, and and have not received the help that some of us have received. So would you just kind of give the I Am Northwest Arkansas audience a quick, you know, snippet of historical aspect of what hark and accelerate the history of this organization and yeah. uh, and what you guys have been doing. Yeah, so history-wise, we're what's called actually a health conversion foundation. So probably 25 years ago, two nonprofit hospitals, so in Springdale and Bentonville, which ultimately are going to become Northwest Health, they were nonprofit hospitals. And then they sold to a for-profit hospital, not Northwest at the time, but but they sell to for-profit. Well, if you think about it, if nonprofit hospital sells, who gets the money? You know, it's kind of the community's money. So that's what creates our foundation. So about $130 million in assets 25 years ago. During Since that time, we've put about, my predecessors have done well in the stock market as far as investing, 
So we were 160 million in assets now, but in, in addition to that, we've been able to put about $120 million worth of investment in terms of grants back into Northwest Arkansas community. So as a foundation, because where we came from, we're focused on just the, really the three counties of Northwest Arkansas. So we kind of punch more for our weight class than you might think, because we're not trying to do things nationally. It's just the three counties, not even the, the whole state. So we've done a lot of things, sometimes brick and mortar type things, investing in helping the children's hospital get built, helping with the mental health wings of Northwest in, in Springdale, et cetera. A big supporter of Potter's House, which really is geared around building diverse social networks within Northwest Arkansas. So a big grant there. A lot of other things supporting, like we said, Seven Hills, Salvation Army, Samaritan House, a lot of different organizations, bigger, smaller, et cetera. And then the other big investment we made was in the creation of HARC. So HARC is really, it's part of our foundation. It was created in 2017 as the response to the community, really came from the superintendent saying, you know what, we need more counselors in the schools because the kids are having trouble learning because of stuff going on at home. So we said, well, we funded a, or we sponsored a big survey um, to understand what did the community need. And what we really saw is we always say the area is resource rich, but connection poor. And people, there's resources out there, but people don't know where to go to. So we created HARC, called HARC. I always say it's called that for two reasons. You might say it's helping Arkansas AR connect with a K. Team doesn't like me referring to it that way, but, but that's what they really are doing. They're helping people get connected to resources. And I'll talk a little more on that in a second. But for the foundation, it's HARC listen. HARC means to listen. And it's our way to listen what is going on in the community. So you can have CEO to CEO conversations and those kind of things, but right on down into what's going on person by person. We helped over 5,000 people last year, over 30,000 referrals. So what a tremendous nonprofit community we have out there. But we build a plan for people. They come in and say, I need help with one thing. We help explore what else could they really need help with. A tremendous resource map that we have. The technology we have is state-of-the-art in terms of how we help people and send them things to their iPhone and all this kind of stuff. Kind of the technology background comes to play in this. But that's really what we do. But then we can turn around and like once a month we have CEO day with our community liaisons. I'm like, what's going on? What do I need to hear out there person by person by person? So we have tremendous ability to listen all the way down to that person on the street via HARC. And we're very analytical. So the database that we have, we can see patterns emerging in terms of gaps that the community has that then the foundation can go, oh, we see a missing node, as we call it. There's a gap, something that's needed within the community. So now we can start to know where to make these grants because those grants then support the, the gaps that we're hearing from HARC, our listening organization. So that's how HARC fits into the foundation and what it does for the foundation. I can talk here in a minute on what it does for the community. Okay. No, and, and I, that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it's almost like you guys are a sounding board for the challenges that, that exist that maybe not everybody is aware of. Yeah, I mean, and it guides then our investments. You know, we still respond to someone coming in and, hey, here's a, um, a need that they have. Is it on strategy for us? We kind of vet those and we make grants. So we're, we're listening that way. But it lets us see things where people are coming to our community liaisons, I need help. And then they turn around and go, there's no place to refer them to. 
So then we might talk with an organization, hey, can you expand and put this in place or should we make a grant to build something? So it really does help us listen to the community and then guide our our grant dollars, if you will, back to the community. Yeah. And so and and then the individuals that you're really trying to impact with all this, and I know you guys have defined kind of the scope of the target population for Accelerate is that you call it Alice, but they are employed, but at high risk of financial instability also known as Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed, or ALICE. And then you, you go on to cite a statistic, which when I, as I see it, I'm like, wow, okay, 67% of jobs in Northwest Arkansas pay 50000 or less, and our area median income is $62,000. And so, I mean, that, that is, and, and I know that those numbers are changing on a regular basis. Yeah, so I would, in fact, say if there's one important thing to take away from our foundation is, you know, we and we went through this during our strategic plan. Yes, get focused on these upstream social determinants of health. So we're, we're in health, but it's the things that you want to work on on the social side so you don't end up with a bad health outcome. So that's one key part. But the other part is our mission always said, you know, to help create a, a Northwest Arkansas where all people thrive. And quite honestly, as soon as you say all people thrive, that means a certain population thrive and a lot of folks get forgotten. And so we as a foundation step back and we said, if you look at the vision, it's much more around an equitable Northwest Arkansas. And we really are focused on an income ban between household income between 50,000 down to 20,000. So I can tell you one thing. You know, kind of while our, while our board, uh, current board and I'm there is we're not going to forget these people. These typically are folks that make up all of who we are. Think of what you just said. Sixty seven percent of the jobs are paying 50,000 or less. Yeah. Right. So they're they're every they're folks that are everywhere. They work at the restaurant. They work for me. You know, our community liaisons could be in this bucket. They work big time at the school systems, firefighters, you know, police officers, bank tellers. It's all of these folks. That a lot of them, if that's their household income, that study nationally will now say that it takes about 14 months of income to support themselves for 12 months. And so what happens is people want to think about the homeless, as we do. I talked about the investments we make there. And everybody wants to create great things that everybody can come to and enjoy. But there's a huge population that can't afford to come to those things. And it's not about the admission price. They need their gas, you know, to get to work, et cetera. And so that as a target population, it's interesting when you look at people of color in that space. So there's a big emphasis by our, our foundation in that sense, too. But it really starts with that income ban. And then what are the things that we can do to help folks that are in that income ban get stronger in that and step up from that band into a higher income band for a better future also? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not to create a situation where people are comfortable in their current state, it's that there are, you know, you create new opportunities for them to step into. So, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the Catalyst Fund, the $2 million that you guys distributed in 2020? Yeah. So that that's a, a great example of what we mean by Hark and listening. So, you know, Hark is out there doing what they do, meet people where they are, build a relationship, understand what they need. And then, we start with 10 social determinants of health. So that could be mental health things, transportation, legal things, food, etc. We break that down to 50 dimensions below that. We have over 200 solutions we identify. 
And then we have thousands of providers that can all of a sudden help with those solutions for those needs. So that's Hark Out doing what it's doing. And we would also meet people like at Salvation Army and you'd meet folks and go, how did you end up here? They have a master's degree, you know, or they, you know, degreed, et cetera. How did you end up here? And you'd hear these stories of, well, you're not going to believe this, but you know what? My car battery went out. And when the battery went out, I couldn't get to work. And when I couldn't get to work, you know, I'd had some kind of challenges before. And all of a sudden I lose my job. And then this spiral starts. And the next thing you know, you meet them at Salvation Army type thing. So the belief was, God, this catalyst fund, if we could help them with those types of things, or somebody is sitting there in an apartment, a lot of times two families living in an apartment, that's what's going on here, folks. And But but they got a better paying job. And if they could just come up with first and last month's rent, they could get into this apartment. So Hark is telling us that. Hark is telling us that. So we said, okay, we're going to create this catalyst fund. We did it jointly with Walton family. When COVID hit, we both put a million dollars into this. So we worked side by side with them. But Catalyst, in a lot of ways, it was people were hurting bad income wise. So they'd come to get help for rent. So it's a catalyst to get them to come to us, to be quite honest. What does the word catalyst really mean here? It's something that accelerates something. It's accelerating. It's okay to ask for help, you know, because a lot of people had never had to ask for help before when this COVID thing hit. And all of a sudden, they don't know where to turn. And they didn't know there were resources out there, even though the community is resource rich, connection poor. So we're connecting them to these things. So, I mean, huge success in terms of amount of we gave out that two million dollars to a lot of different families in northwest Arkansas. And I mean, it was a huge undertaking just administratively. So here come the business skills to play. So we're not handing people cash or a check. I mean, we have to track down the landlords, get their W-9, it's rental income, all the stuff we got to keep track of you know, and then distribute the money actually to the landlord on their behalf. So so that was last year experience. And, you know, we thought things were kind of going to settle down a bit. Well, then the good news is that experience that we gained, we saw that there was federal money now available. And so this is another important part for people listening. Federal money as part of CARES Act type related dollars. So it's emergency rental program where we said, hey, Benton County, you know, there is $8 million available if you guys apply for this that can help people that are behind in rent. And then Benton County said, uh, we don't have any way to distribute this. And so we said, holy cow, be careful what we just suggested. So like if we don't distribute it, they're not going to even ask for $8 million. And that's $8 million that's not going to help the people in Northwest Arkansas. So we kind of said, you know what, it's almost like morally, whether we want to or not, we got to do this. So we've partnered with Benton County. We've given away, I look today, about $1.2 million so far. But we can help as many as 12 months of back rent, pay current rent, two months forward rent, and the same thing with all utilities, et cetera, and both for a person. So, I mean, our biggest issue right now, Randy, to be honest, is getting exposure and letting people know this because, they, you know, what's the catch? And there is no catch but people, you know, they're, they're proud of their what they've accomplished in life. But man, all of a sudden they're in a situation and should I really ask for help? And what does that mean? And so I don't create the government policies. It's just it's there whether you like it or not. It's there. And our goal is how do we make sure all that money gets into folks in Benton County? That's where we're distributing similar program for Washington County. But that's kind of what that whole thing is. But for us, it really came out of listening to Hark and what were we hearing from people, et cetera. And the, the stories that you hear of transforming lives, et cetera, we, we should get some of those folks on your call that, I mean, for our community liaisons, hearing those stories every day, which breaks your heart. 
but then how we're able to help them get their feet back under them. I mean, they're, they're doing okay. And then we always say, then life happens. Yeah. And yeah. just something happens and it's just a tipping point. And all of a sudden they may not have the social network to support themselves, et cetera, in this. So, which is important why we work on that front also, but that's what the whole thing is about. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny when Ali shared it with me originally, I did, I did share it out on my, on my weekly program, my live stream on Fridays, what's new NWA. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about rental assistance and a lot of communities have really been struggling in that area. You know, I noticed a friend of mine has a church and they've given a lot to the Marshallese community up in Springdale area and elsewhere, but people just don't know that this is available. And I think it's, it's just, you're right. It's absolutely awareness. And you would think with you know, having access to $8 million, but have only scratched the surface with, you know, 1.5 million or whatever that has been spent, there's still a ways to go. So yeah. we need to continue to get the word out and let people know that, hey, this is available. And if you are struggling with rent or something along those lines, don't let pride get in the way of you getting some help yeah. so that you can move forward. And, and you know, we've all been there. We've all been there. And I think the average American is like a $400 bill away from a major challenge, financial challenge. So this is not a, this is not a, oh, well, we're going to throw heap coals on you because you're, you're, you haven't handled your money correctly. Most Americans, and I stress that most have had struggles when it comes to financial fitness. And it's just a reality in our society. We have not, we have not made it the focal point that it should be because I think we, we get to this place where we think it's always going to be there, but that's not always the case. Yeah. And it's um, and then then overlay Hark on this, which might be kind of the icing on the cake. We kind of think it is the cake because I come back to that catalyst part. So, OK, we can help them with eight hundred dollars. Let's say they're behind one month in rent. And so great. No problem. Well, then you start talking to them of like, do you have student loan? Do you know how to get that? Do you know how to get the, the interest rate or whatever it is reduced? You don't. We do. You know, how about credit card? Everybody's got credit cards. You got a big interest rate. How'd you like to get that cut in half? I can help you with that too. So now I'm helping you on the cost side. And you know, you just talk to me about your kids and kind of challenges when they get home and stuff like that. And and like who's watching them? You're at work. Do you realize that you you qualify for a scholarship program over to this boys and girls type organization? We could help you with that. So that's what Hark is doing. It's trying to build them, get them talking. Because if they need help with a month rent, odds are there's. 50 different dimensions we can help them on. So just talk to us so that we can start to figure that out. So of course, all confidential and all that kind of thing, but it's trying to help them build a whole, a wholesome plan, you know, not or a, a whole life plan, if you will, around all the different areas that we can help, not just what we call the presenting need, which is I need $800 for rent. You right. know, so it's almost like saying rent, it's just the beginning. We can do yes. so much more. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's like, it's a catalyst, right? So yeah. that's kind of where it from, comes from. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So, well, well, hopefully we we will do what we can to continue to get the word out about about the program and the rental assistance that's available because there is a lot of money there, and we want to to make sure that everybody in Northwest Arkansas is able to take advantage of that. So, and along those lines of rental assistance, one of the pillars or foundations of Hark Accelerate is the emphasis on housing. Would you can you talk about that a little bit and maybe? connect the dots yeah. with people. And I'll tell you, when I, I was on the board and starting to evolve into this role and we built that catalyst fund and helped people with first and month, last month rent. And, you know, I was not plugged into kind of the community needs at that point. And I'm sitting there going, okay, we have this catalyst fund 
And it'll help people with first and last month rent for an imaginary apartment. And I remember the CL saying that. And I'm like, hold it. What What did you say? What do you mean imaginary apartment? Well, there's not enough housing for folks. I'm like, what are you talking about? Again, I, you know, you're, you're blessed and you don't understand these things. And when you start looking into it, yeah, there's hundreds of units getting built. And as long as you can afford $1,200 a month, you're all set. The problem is people in this income band can't afford that. So we said, holy cow, then like, and this was great timing with Walton family had issued their housing crisis that we're on the edge of that whole study. And it was kind of like, you know what, somebody needs to do something. And there's a lot of different things that need to be done and a lot of people doing something. But we're pretty like make it happen oriented. And we said, well, then we need to get some housing built. So we, we figured out kind of what is the different forms of federal dollars that can support nice apartments and developments? Who knows how to do that? Who knows how to navigate and get that money? And then we don't want to just build a, a brick and mortar building. We want to build community there. So envisioned a lot different type of setting, if you will. Um, a lot of people, oh, well, bad folks are going to live there. And I remember being in Fayetteville, you know, in front of city council explaining what this is. And you know who's going to live there? It's the person when you call 911 and they respond in a fire truck. That's who's going to live there. I kind of think I like them living next to me or the police officer or heaven forbid the, the school teacher aide that's helping your kids at school. They're going to live there, too. Oh, really? So people don't realize what we're talking about. But then then when we start talking about it's a, building a community, so all of a sudden you have food people, um, the big food manufacturers going, well, maybe there's a way we can help on discounted food. All of a sudden somebody says, well, wait a minute, you need a piece of land? We'll donate the piece of land. And all of a sudden the architect's saying, well, we'll do this design pro bono. And all of a sudden other people are going, how can we be part of this thing? Potter's House specializes in building these relationships across different social economic lines. So there's down there, and this is Cobblestone Farm on our website, but 90 units that are at that lower income level to live there. And 10 of them, are, they're all identical. The 10 are fair market rate. And the Potter's House people go, we want to live there to help build community. And then we're going to have, it's, it's part of this farm network. So you can have kind of community farms and community together. So it's those kind of things like that, that we're really trying to build on this. But we've got helped with six different developments. You'll see a release on this in about a month. But we've raised so far $42 million from area businesses to support this. It'll be up to 55 by the time we do the announcement on this. But it's not the answer, but it's called it's the beginning. And where you know community has solved the housing needs anywhere but the ones that have is when, especially the big businesses and the philanthropy groups, et cetera, start saying, you can look around the room and guess what? I think I found who needs to address this and it's called us. So when you see that happening, solutions start making steps forward. So it's the beginning. Walton Family has sponsored this new, at the Northwest Arkansas Council, a new um, housing organization that is going to help with this across the region. We're going to be happy to work with them on those things. but. It's the beginning and it's a big difference. So yeah, a good no. case in point on that is, is if you look at fair market rate, the number I know top of mind, Bentonville, four bedroom apartment, it's like $1,200 a month, sure. right? That's the fair market rate. These will rent for about $575 a, rent, a month. And it, it saves people about 48% across all these. There's some in Fayetteville and everywhere else, but about 48% versus the fair market rate. And those rates are locked in for 35 years. 
So when you tumble the whole math on this thing, it's $75 million worth of savings for the people that live there over the course of that 35 years. So that's making a difference in people's lives. So how do we do more of those things? You know, it's, but it's kind of like rally and step forward and, and do what we can. So. Yeah, no. And, and, and certainly you got your work cut out. I was talking to Keaton Smith and yeah, uh, yeah and, and you know, and, and he's with Iberia Bank, but he's also uh, working on a number of housing related issues here in the Northwest Arkansas area. The Urban Land Institute is as well. And so there's a lot of, you know, yes. really smart people in the room with you guys trying to come up with some solutions for yes. how we make these the how we make the housing affordable for everyone because you're absolutely right. You don't the last thing you want are for people to be commuting from 50, 60, 70 miles away to come and work in northwest yes. Arkansas. That doesn't make sense because, you know, I lived in Boston for 17 years and we experienced that because people couldn't afford the city and that was yes. just, you know, that's just what it is. So, if nothing else, I think we're being proactive about trying to solve these problems now before we realize that growth that we're going to realize here in the next 15 to 20 years. Yeah, exactly. I know you'll have a lot of people from big cities come here and they'll say, you know, with big institutions, and do you all realize what a special place you have here? And you really need to take the steps to make sure that you don't go down the same pitfalls that other areas have. So, and you know, it's still early. We've got the right size companies and foundations and you, you, it's everything you said. This is not going to be solved by one entity or one person or something like this. It takes all of these things working together. But I mean, the first thing you got to recognize is we need to do something here, folks. And that's, you can see that is there's momentum gaining around this. So it's exciting to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we get to a close, and and I certainly want to be respectful of your time, but you shared so much. I wanted to just get some closing thoughts about, you know, kind of like the motivation moving forward for the organization and, and what are you hoping to accomplish in the next couple of years outside of the things that we've just mentioned? Is there anything else that Hark Accelerate is, is hoping to put on their plate and try to solve? Yeah, I mean, there, there's things in that social support. You know, a lot of ways, Hark helps people, will always help people. There will always be people that need help. But a lot of times it's happening because they don't have the right social network in place that can encourage them to to maybe take that class or go to college and those things. So we've got a, a thrust around that as well. It's a bit of what we're doing with Potter's House, et cetera. Other things we're doing in education is supporting what's called Arkansas Better Chance. So that's ABC Pre-K. So we've done about $12 million across the last six years there, helping kids that are, again, in that target income band. And it's huge. If they're not in a pre-K program between three and five years old, they can get behind. You can see it in the tests at fourth grade, seventh grade, and they don't catch up. So that has been a big emphasis for us. But all of those things um, are kind of things that we've been working on and are working on. The, the big thing that we're looking for as we look forward is we talk about that Alice population, if you will. What about helping them get better skills so that they can get a better job? So it's a little bit stay tuned with us on that. Um, there's things in the works that we're really going to pick a, a sector, likely the healthcare sector. It's kind of where we came from. But how do we help people, you know, that I missed my window to go to college or something like this, or I'm a single parent. And like, how would I ever take classes now? Because I got a little one at home, et cetera. So we're envisioning a program that can help with 
Think of what heart can bring, but the wraparound part, help with daycare, help with transportation, help with scholarship dollars, et cetera, so they can get upskilled into a better paying job that then sets them up for a better life and sets their family up for a better life too. Because as you see people improving themselves, there's a high percentage. So it's systemic, big word, but it's multi-generational where it helps the family move forward as well. So that's kind of the, the big thing that we have on the horizon that we want to push forward next. So, yeah, I like that. And, and and certainly if you can do the things that you mentioned in terms of removing those barriers to entry, well, then you won't get any pushback and people will be like, well, I don't have any other excuse. I need to do this. You know, Heart Accelerate has made it possible. And that's that's huge. So yeah. I appreciate that, Jeff. This has been great. Um, thank you so much for for giving our audience here at I am Northwest Arkansas and those maybe that are coming to this area. Listen, I, I got to tell you, you're, you're going to come into good hands because there's a lot of people like Jeff and his team at Hark Accelerate that are constantly thinking about ways to make Northwest Arkansas the best place possible to live. So uh, you could do a lot worse by going somewhere else. But I think if you come here, you'll be in good hands for sure. So Jeff Webster, thank you so much. If people want to reach out to you, whether they need help or whether they want to help, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, the if they need help, the best way is harknwa.com. And otherwise, there is a info at acceleratefoundation.com where if people have ideas, want to help different ways, et cetera. That's the best way for that to come in. Randy, you might want to make sure you spell accelerate for them. Yeah, um, I will. I will. And we're going to put all we're going to put all this in the show notes so that people can access this. So you'll be able to go to the show notes for this particular episode and contact information for Jeff and his team and all of these website addresses and everything that's been mentioned and referenced in this particular episode will be on the show notes. So I, I encourage you guys to go over to IamNorthwestArkansas.com and then just type in Hark or Accelerate and you'll find all the information that you need to find for this particular episode. So that won't be a problem. So finally, I mean, with somebody like you that, you know, you, you've lived multiple lives in corporate America, you've done so many things. If there was one book that you would recommend to someone, maybe a young upstart, somebody like a younger version of yourself, what would you recommend to them to read just to kind of gain some insight and perspective as they move forward in their career? Boy, that's interesting. A lot of different ones kind of over time. I mean, strategy emphasis, competitive strategy, Michael Porter is kind of the, the hallmark book that really built my whole strategy background. You know, the principles in, in good to great are also important for the individual and the organization. And there's also a nonprofit version of that that our board just got done going through as well on how do you think about that in the nonprofit sector. So there, there'd be a few I'd think about. Okay. All right. Cool. And is there any quote that you live by? Oh, I don't know a, a single quote. You know, I mean, as a uh, kind of a, a leader of an organization, I always you know, you want to um, surround yourself with people that are better than you on every dimension. So it's I always kind of say A's higher A's and B's higher C's. So, I mean, you want to like, don't be afraid of getting uh, people that are better than you on every single dimension, you know, and then your role is kind of the lead in terms of helping understand where to go, make sure they have the tools that they need and then support them in being successful. That keeps building an organization stronger and stronger as compared to if you start pausing because, well, well, if I hire somebody and they're actually smarter than me, and then maybe I'm going to look bad and don't fall into that trap. I mean, the stronger and stronger organization that you can build, you know, you're in a leadership role for a reason. 
and build that strong team. I want everybody that works for me, and they are, they're all better than me on lots of different dimensions. And and then pick folks that are different than you. You know, it's I've had in early in my career, I'd always have, well, I want I'm gonna hire somebody that can complete my sentence because it's gonna be easy and they'll get it and everything else. And that's fine. But boy, when you build in people that are different than you, different life experiences on all kinds of different fronts, it can be harder. But boy, the, the strength of what you have is so much stronger as a team in terms of what you do. It's it's last thing I'll say as far as what makes our our where we are unique is we're like a Venn diagram of these, meaning these three ellipses. And one of them is the business folks, such as myself. One is social services. And then the other is philanthropy. Right. And it's kind of like, well, which one's most important? You might ask me. Right. And I always say, well, that's kind of like, let's envision those three circles is in the human body, a heart, a brain, and a liver. Which one's most important? I don't know, but you pull any one of them out, it's called you're dead. And so the way our team sees things is, like, if you ask me what's the most important, I'd say the other two. And the people that are the are real philanthropists, they're going to look and go, no, 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 I think it's the other two. So we, we've got a healthy admiration for the other folks on our team because they know how to do stuff. I don't know how to do. And if without them, we're in trouble. So it's it's trying to build a culture that, and I, I think we have that. I always say we have this tremendous culture and all I did is not mess it up, but respects each other, admires each other, appreciates each other in that sense. So there's a bit on, on who we are as well. I love that. I love that. Well, we'll end on that note. Jeff Webster, president and CEO of Accelerate Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us here on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Randy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you took a lot away from this and and what uh, Jeff had to share. If you have any questions or you want to learn a little bit more about what these guys are doing, please visit our website at IamNorthwestArkansas.com for all the information that we talked about on this particular episode. Listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. And please subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week with another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.